Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Balls Over the Top podcast. We're your hosts, Michael Rock. And I'm Brendan Collins. And we're very excited to be with you this week. We yeah. are sorry for a abrupt absence, an inexcused absence, as my professors liked to call it. Yeah. I was left off the injury report this week. That was a uh, that was a bad by the organization. Yeah, the NBA is going to be looking into our handling of the injury reports yeah, here. They're going to find $25,000. Yeah, due to a unforeseen, nothing serious, fortunately, handled now. Yes. Health emergency we had to postpone, especially then us having to abide by our own COVID protocols that we do strictly adhere by Absolutely. here at the Balls Over the Top podcast. Needed to make sure everything was safe. So we appreciate the patience. We appreciate you guys hanging tight with us. And we have an exciting episode to get into today. We're switching things up a little bit. We're going to switch up our format just a tad, especially because what better week to do it than during the virtual Pro Bowl? Yeah, and they have to switch it up this year since there is no real Pro Bowl for these players to come to and celebrate together. Yeah, so we're going to switch things up on our side here as well. And we decided we were going to do a season in review here. You know, not necessarily a full season in review. It's not like a clip show. No. Unfortunately, that would be fun. But we're just going to talk about some of the key points, some of the talking points that we had looking back, reflecting on this regular season and digesting it. You know, we've had a few weeks. We've had the playoffs. It's down to two teams, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, going to be competing for the Super Bowl. But it's time now to look back on this regular season and see what we can read in these tea leaves about next year and beyond. Yeah, and we can take a little bit of an introspective look of what, what the season held for us, especially as just NFL fans. Exactly. I mean, there was a ton to take in on the field and off. And I say we just dive right into it. So, you know, why don't we start here looking back at this regular season, you know, this whole NFL season, what's your biggest surprise, you know, now now that we're it's all said and done. What what do you what has you most surprised? Well, it was definitely a season full of surprises, but what I'm most surprised by is Matt Nagy keeping his job. I mean, the man Barely has a record over 500. He has two playoff appearances and zero wins with that team in the playoffs. He hasn't been able to pick a quarterback, despite having ones for multiple seasons. It seems like he can't get this organization together, and considering the caliber of some of the coaches that you know walked after the end of this season, I'm surprised that he's still rocking the Bears' visor. It's pretty shocking because... What does he do there? You know, you don't think of Matt Nagy as a offensive or really defensive specialist. Is he a locker room guy? Maybe, but it doesn't really seem like those guys really go out there and play their hearts out for him. So I scratch my head. You know, coming out of last season, you had the same question marks. You had the same. If I were a Bears fan, I would be livid right now that somehow he's still at the controls here. It seems like an organization that is tied to 
their head coaches or maybe they have commitment issues or they're afraid of breaking things off. I mean, they did the same thing with Lovey Smith. I mean, Lovey Smith had that job in Chicago for a good four or five years longer than he should have. Yes, he brought them to the Super Bowl on the wings of Devin Hester and that Erlacher and Lance Briggs defense. But Lovey Smith wasn't doing anything revolutionary with that team while it was just fledging in mediocrity. Like, they had... When the Jay Cutler years, I mean, they were a totally stagnant football team. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they've remained stagnant. I mean, other than the big marquee addition of Khalil Mack, what has this team done to get your attention I over mean, the last few a, years? Become a meme with the double doink. Yeah. And then the quarterback shuffle of having basically two starting quarterbacks or not really having one. Yeah, that whole adage of two starting quarterbacks, uh, that's that's a we're scraping the bottom yeah, of the barrel. Yeah, we're also being by in calling a glass Mitch house Trubisky. Stones, but. No, I get you, but I, I'm just saying, I I don't I would say they're closer to no quarterbacks than they are to two. Yeah, especially with how they're utilizing both of them. So that's definitely a shocking point. Definitely something that is worth keeping an eye on. You know, astonishingly, that Matt Nagy is still employed. Despite a mediocre season this year, a mediocre season of yeah, it's and another early exit. But enough about my surprise. What was your biggest surprise with this season? Well, I'm going to take it from a little bit of an outside perspective, and you know, not really any team, not really any player, not really any incident off the field, but rather existential. Just the fact that they played all of the games. We had no cancellations this year no we had games on every day of the week oh yeah i mean it was a disaster it was an absolute disaster but every game got played we we didn't have to skip any we didn't have to cancel any there was shuffling there was logistical nightmares i'm sure for the players for the coaching staffs for the schedule makers for even the tv you know the networks were having issues where their primetime games are getting canceled and then having to sort out revenue and commercials and Flexing. what happens if it's played on a Tuesday instead of Sunday at prime time, you yeah. know? But I was impressed. I mean, we talked about it for weeks mm-hmm. leading up to the regular season. We didn't think they were going to get it done. I mean, we didn't see any way that they got this season finished. No, especially considering what the NFL machine is with the number of people it takes to just have a game happen. Yeah, I mean, shocked that they got it started, shocked that it even hit the midway point. I mean, we were taking over-unders halfway done, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest surprise is that with the size of the staffs, with the size of the rosters, with the amount of people that they need to come in contact with to travel to all the away stadiums, I mean, remember, they didn't bubble up. They were All the other leagues bubbled up when they first came back. The NFL, full steam ahead. So that had me pretty surprised. We were both on the same page with that. Yeah. So I think that looking at it after the fact, there were a ton of things they could have done differently, but I think it was a I think it was a shock that they got them all finished. Well I think that really brings us to a good tie in here and I think, you know, we talked about the surprises and what kind of just impressed us or wowed us about the season, but what kind of what bummed you out? What disappointed you the most about this season? Well, I'm going to stay on this soapbox. You know, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, 
But the way that they handled COVID is actually what disappointed me most also. You know, I'm thrilled that they didn't have to cancel any games. Yes, I am. I am ecstatic that that was the case. But that doesn't mean that COVID didn't have its handprints all over the season. No. And it definitely had its own factor in the competitive balance of certain games along the season. It was a very close season all the way through for a lot of these teams. Yeah, I mean, the fact that the Broncos had to start a wide receiver named Kendall Hinton at quarterback a guy from the practice squad who who wasn't even listed as a quarterback on the roster sheets. I mean that that's embarrassing. It's it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. They they should have had better systems in place for quarantining for uh, additional weeks to have been able to played more games. They should have had more roster spots available and quarantining of position groups even and segregating of position groups or whatever so that way you could have not had the entire position group get I- impacted yeah. anytime because of contact tracing. Doesn't everybody have a Microsoft Surface? Can't you all hop on Teams? Get the quarterback room situated out there? Why you Why you gotta be licking each other, man? Why is Drew Locke gotta be draped over his boys? Yeah, so, you know, the, the league ended up having to reschedule or adjust like 17 games. That's like a full regular season worth of games for a team. Yeah. That had to be adjusted. I mean, it's it's one out of every 32, you know. And so I I give them kudos for having played all the games. I congratulate them for executing the regular season and getting it done. But it was ugly several times in ways that in my opinion, call into question the integrity of the regular season would almost potentially warrant asterisks or things like that. I mean, if if you're starting a the the Broncos completed one pass that game, yeah, like that's not a real NFL game or a 2020 NFL game. No, you know, it, it was a it was tough to watch, and so obviously nobody's doing it perfect. The virus has been tough. It's unprecedented. Yeah. But it would have been nice to have seen them bake more time into it and take approach it with a little bit more caution to have enabled really the highest level of competition. But enough about me, and hopefully enough about the virus. What was your biggest disappointment in 2020? This one's real easy. It's the entire NFC East. Man, what a dumpster fire. Four different teams that all had to play each other twice. Ugh. The dreck. I mean, coming out on top was the Washington football team, who had a carousel of three quarterbacks. We saw the hot offensive start of the Dallas Cowboys, and then their defense completely collapsed, and then they never got anywhere close to on track while... They had to play with their backups, and they also lost one of their backups. We saw a six-round pick play, and he looked like a six-round pick. Well, not to mention, remember, I mean, you know, Saquon was out for the season. The season, Zeke was in and out of the lineup. I mean, it seems like this whole division. I'm not trying to make excuses for them because this was a historically bad division. Yeah, it seems like the whole division was banged up. I, the quarterbacks dropping like dominoes all over the map. Mm-hmm. 
and if not their health, their quality of play, at least here in Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, no no team had a winning record. The, the rookie coaches outperformed the veteran coaches. Yeah, the Super Bowl winning head coach. Yeah. I mean, the, the entire division just... It was bad to watch, and I mean, it was, you know, the games that we tend to focus on the most, especially as as Birds fans. And those, uh, the Birds stunk up a lot of games this season. Yeah, they were brutal, and there's not much to hang our hats on, you know. As as fans, as big Eagles fans, we don't have much that we can look at with this game and be like, or this season and be like, oh. Well, at least we can build on that. You know, Jalen Hurts looked good, but there's no guarantee he's even going to be given the opportunity. You know, there's holes all over the roster. I mean, there really are. And you just don't know where it's going to get fixed. I don't have faith in the front office anymore. I don't have, you know, Doug Peterson was the guy who gave me comfort in that organization with the Eagles, and he's gone. And then it's like, you look elsewhere, and it's like Washington, yes, they have Ron Rivera, and you know that was an impressive game by Heineke in the playoffs, but other than that defense, that offense is still miles from productivity. I mean, other than scary Terry McLaren. Yeah. They don't really have any pieces that you can confidently build around. Dallas, they have that high-flying offense, but it just seems like there's so many head cases there. It seems like these players very easily fall into slumps. You know, with how well Andy Dalton was playing, which, you know, I know they had to go through the Danucci stuff and the shock of the deck injury, but Andy Dalton was balling out by the end of that season. Mm-hmm. There's no reason Zeke Elliott should not have been the top three running back that Zeke Elliott is. Mm-hmm. And yet his whole season was just a wash. Yeah, I mean, they and the defensive side was a. Abysmal. And then you, you look at the Giants, and the Giants, Danny Dimes was okay, I guess, as an NFL quarterback. He looked decent, but their offense was nothing special. They're across the board. They just didn't have anything that really excited an NFL fan. And then we look at this bird side, our first-round pick, Jalen Rieger, still was, question was marks. off the field more than he was on it. Yeah, still uh, still question marks, and you look at what got picked around him, and Howie Roseman's still here. The best thing to come out of the season as an Eagles fan was Jordan Mailata looked okay as a left tackle, I guess? Like, is that the best headline we have? Yeah, like that maybe Brandon Graham is playing up to that big contract we gave him, you know, because we rewarded him for the Super Bowl strip sack. Mm-hmm. At least he's playing up to that contract. But, yeah, there's not much to hang our hats on. And this whole division, it doesn't give me a great amount of confidence looking toward the future. No. But we'll see. That's why we watch the games. Was and, it Alex you know, Singleton? Was Alex Singleton our headline? Was that? Yeah, right. Or, or the pickup from, like, what, XFL, CFL, whatever. Yeah, CFL like, veteran. There were a lot of disappointments this year. And, I mean, there were other ones. We could talk about Bill O'Brien, that whole Texans team. You know, Gardner Minshew falling off the map with the Jaguars. Lamar Jackson's regression from MVP level. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of things we could The Cardinals point to. missing the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. But definitely the NFC East screams at the top of that list. But, you know, moving on, the next thing we were going to talk about, which hopefully will have us in a little bit of a 
brighter mood. Because I was wondering what or who. Could be a team, could be a player, could be a style of offense, whatever. Has you most excited coming out of this past season? Because there's a lot to build on. There's a lot to look forward to after, I mean, incredibly offensive season. A lot of young stars really blossoming. Some old players going to new teams and performing well. New head coaches looking like they're starting to build a legit foundation in places like Matt Rule. I'd be really excited if I were in Carolina or, you know, Justin Herbert, I think, gives the Chargers a lot to look forward to. So what what have you, what has you most excited? I think the most exciting thing about this past NFL season was the emergence of so many talented young quarterbacks. I think we saw many young quarterbacks take very big leaps forward, some a couple years of NFL experience, some no NFL experience. I mean, we saw the emergence of both Tua, Herbert, uh, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow in the games that he was playing. I mean, he played more than half the season. Yeah, he played nine games. I mean, he played he played pretty deep into the season before his injury. Uh, the continued improvement somehow of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, across the board, we saw younger quarterbacks step up and become even greater. I think that's exciting for the game as a whole. Yeah, it makes you wonder what's going to happen, right? I remember the many years watching football growing up when we were in high school and it seems like there would be those draft classes almost every year where there would be you know four or five quarterbacks taken mm-hmm. and most of them would be bad most of them would be flops I mean, they would they go, would end up you can go back into our childhood like look at like the 2005 pro bowl roster of quarterbacks you know who's on it players like Carson Palmer guys that you don't you're not going to remember unless you but not even look not them even up. that. I'm saying those guys are even then guys who spanned careers, right? The guys who were st- still good five years ago are the guys who were still good ten years ago. It was Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and it seemed like the rest of the league was just kind of this ever rotating pool of guys. I mean, think about it. Like Devin White, Christian Ponder, Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert. These are all guys first round picks. Jimmy Clausen. First round picks. Yeah. Who were terrible. I mean, they were they were god awful. Colt McCoy. What's it say when Colt McCoy actually made a career for himself as he's like 11 years after being drafted or whatever? As a backup. Like, these are guys that were drafted as top overall quarterbacks. E.J. Manuel. You know what I mean? And so now we have quarterbacks where there are four or five, or sorry, draft classes where there are four or five quarterbacks in the first round, and yet all four of them are looking like they could be franchise guys. You know, we're seeing... Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Johnny, not Johnny Manziel, (laughs) not Johnny Manziel, Baker Mayfield, yes, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, exactly, we could keep going on and on, and it makes you wonder what's going to happen, because there are still guys coming up, right, I mean, even this draft upcoming, 
they're even talking about potentially there being five quarterbacks taken in the top ten. Yeah. How do you have five quarterbacks going in the top ten with all of the talent we're talking about and got other guys? You know, there's a young, talented quarterback waiting in the wings behind Aaron Rodgers. We have Matt Stafford possibly on the move. We have Teddy Bridgewater playing well. We have Jameis Winston wanting a job. We have so many. Yeah. Andy Dalton. Terod Taylor. There's Carson Wentz. Exactly. Jalen Hurts. So the emergence of these young quarterbacks is very exciting, but it makes me wonder what happens when there is a logjam. What happens when 25 out of the 32 teams are really happy with their quarterback situation? I feel like that normally doesn't happen. Maybe, Maybe it's just that the XFL gets better. Yeah, maybe it's the XFL. I've even heard, you know, potential potential expansion still. Or maybe that's just the way that the level of competition stays active and hot and it keeps pushing people to be better and better. Mm-hmm. And we just see an inc- improving, constantly improving level of competitiveness in the quarterback position. What was most exciting for you about this season? Well, I'm going to kind of take a piece of what you talked about and build upon it and bundle it into something else. And and that is Josh Allen, is what I was going to say. And it's not just Josh Allen. It's really that whole Buffalo Bills team. I love what McDermott did. I love that offense. I mean, Stefan Diggs, wow. That might have been the acquisition of the season. I mean, no offense to DeAndre Hopkins and what he did out in, in Arizona. But wow, Stefan Diggs, that Bills offense... It was so refreshing as a football fan to see somebody who is not Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots winning that AFC East. They did it with good defense. They did it with good offense. They did it with uh, some games they were running the ball efficiently. Other times it was Josh, a- Josh Allen and the cannon you know, putting up 400 yards. Josh Allen can do it with his legs. He's a dual-threat quarterback, arguably one of the top two or three dual-threat quarterbacks in the league. Oh, for sure. And, I mean, he's got that spread offense. He's got Stephon Diggs. He's got John Brown. He's got Cole Beasley in the slot, all putting up work. So it's going to be tough. You know, it's going to be tough as a young, talented team in the AFC to get the recognition that they deserve, considering there's another slightly more talented young team in the Kansas City Chiefs that could be on their way to a consecutive Super Bowl wins. Who knows? But it is very exciting that there is a young powerhouse team run by McDermott, who I love. You know, he has LaSalle ties where we went to high school, and Philadelphia ties, Jim Johnson ties, who Jim Johnson's my favorite assistant coach of all time. Yeah, probably one of the best coaches we'll ever see in our lifetimes. And so that Bills team was the most exciting thing about this season for me. I look forward to watching them every week, which there aren't necessarily teams other than the Eagles who I tend to look forward to watching every week. Yeah, you actively keep track of watching their games on. Now, and this, this Buffalo Bills side was definitely, I mean, it was an incredible team top to bottom they put together awesome performances they played great games against all levels of competition too 
They brought it to each and every team, each and every week. It was a great season. Yeah, just Buffalo. came came up just short there in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, it was a tough, very tough matchup going into it anyway. Well, we've talked about a lot of teams that have underperformed this season, but who do you think has the best chance to springboard and go from the worst to potentially the first for this next year? Well... I'm going to sound like a little bit of a homer here, but I got to go with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I only say that because in order to go from worst to first, you need to be in a division that's competitive. And while our division, as we just discussed, isn't competitive with other teams, we're certainly competitive within our own ranks. And so this is a division where, you know, even this year, coming into the last two weeks of the season, any one of the four of the teams could have won the division. Yeah, they had control over their own destiny. Even in the last week, three of the teams had a chance to win the division. And so, just by that logic, the Eagles felt like the right choice for me in that their talent and the talent in the rest of their division is not too far off. Now, I'm not saying it's likely, right? They're implementing a new head coach, a new system. That means they're figuring out a quarterback controversy. And they're going to need to cut a lot of talent from this team in order to be salary cap compliant. So I'm not sitting here putting my eggs in the basket saying, hey, write your, you know, take it to the bank, write your check now. Yeah. Eagles are going to win the division. But when I looked at the eight teams that were came in last place, you know, the New York Jets, I don't think they're anywhere close. I just got done kissing the Bills' butt, not to mention the Dolphins were a great team. And they're going to have to deal with Bill Belichick in year two of the rebuild, which I imagine will be a quick one. You go to the AFC West, I can't imagine the Broncos taking the Chiefs down. And if anybody's taking the Chiefs down, it's going to be the Raiders or the Chargers. It's not going to be the Broncos. It's not the Broncos. You go to the AFC North, I thought about choosing the AFC North. Bengals there. You've got the Jaguars in the AFC South. You know, just you look at all the divisions, and they all don't seem that competitive. There, there just wasn't anybody that jumped out at me. And so I, I looked at the very competitive divisions, the ones where they're all beating each other up, anybody can win any given Sunday, and I felt like going with the birds. I, I think that's a very good pick. I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers in this one. I think they have the best chance to go from mm-hmm worst to first in their division and I'm basing that really on the fact that they had to deal with so many injuries last year and I think they're in the market for another quarterback and another quarterback might bring a little bit of stability I mean Jimmy Garoppolo has had a rough couple of seasons trying trying to be the starter for that 49er side yeah and even though he had success the one you know the healthiest year that he had it just didn't seem like it's sticking. He can't stay healthy. Even now when he has been on the field, it's been shaky. It's been inconsistent. It's been almost the same level of quality that they were getting out of Nick Mullins, their backup. Not that Nick Mullins was playing well, but it was almost indistinguishable when yeah. one would be out and the other would be in. They have recently been linked to acquiring Deshaun Watson or Matthew Stafford, so... There is a good chance that they could be bringing in that reinforcement help 
have they, a veteran quarterback. And they have a nice stable of wide receivers. They have a decent run game that they can put together. Their defense will hopefully get healthy this offseason and come back into the form that can make them competitive in their in their division. But it, time will tell. But I think they have they have one of the best chances to go from the, of the worst to the first. Well, I definitely think that's a good point. And, you know, they were right there. I figured it was them or the Eagles, one of those NFC teams. But that seems like that's traditionally the case. I feel like the NFC East and the NFC West over the last 20 years have been two of the, the most, if not the absolute most competitive divisions in football as far as most turnover and frequently having multiple teams in the playoffs. You can't say that about this year because we struggled. But, you know, frequently having a division winner and wild card teams. We did see that this year. True, but without really having like the dynasties where it's, you know, you're Well, I was saying them. we saw it with with the West. We saw it with the Seahawks and the Rams both making the playoffs. Right. But we're going to move on. We saw a bunch of head coaches get the boot this past off season. We also saw a couple of quarterbacks on the move with the Lions announcing their parting ways with Matt Stafford, Deshaun Watson demanding a trade, Phillip Rivers and Drew Brees both deciding to hang it up. So, and we had also a lot of coaches leave during the season where you know we saw interim head coaches placed in the Texans, in the Falcons. Yeah, so a lot of turnover as it is. 2020 was a very turbulent year for a lot of franchises. But we know that doesn't just stop as soon as the season's over. Even though the big culling looked like it already happened, and a lot of the teams who were going to fire people did so, including our dear friend Dougie Peterson. Mm-hmm. Who do you think of the survivors? Quarterback, head coach, GM? Who do you think is on the hot seat moving into the 2021 season? Well, I think we have to t- go take a look at Denver and their system. We just saw John Elway step away from that GM position, and I think that puts Vic Fangio right on the hot seat. They've underperformed, I guess. Kind, of, I, it's kind of hard to call it underperformed because we haven't really expected much out of them. But as a Denver Broncos fan, you would hope that you would get to expect something out of them, season after season. They haven't been able to find a quarterback. It's been a constant carousel. They've acquired decent weapons over the years, and no one's been able to really take advantage of them since Peyton Manning left. Yeah, it seems like that's another one of those head-scratching moves where it's been just a rotating door of head coaches and quarterbacks since that Peyton Manning Super Bowl run. I don't know what it is, because before they got Peyton Manning, they were in the same hole that they're in now. I mean, this... Denver team cannot scout and pick a quarterback. And I don't know if it's they're unwilling to give up the assets it would take to move up to a prime draft position to get one, or if it's just that they're not able to really do the scouting. I mean, Drew Locke looked decent, but... And he's a very much a Jekyll and Hyde player. Where There's some games where he looks like he is a excellent NFL quarterback, and there's some games where it looks like he doesn't belong out on the field. But you're looking, and it's like, this is also a team that wasted a first-round draft pick on Tim Tebow. So there is a level of incompetence 
when it comes to they just haven't pulled the trigger on the right guys. Remember they had Paxton Lynch for a little bit. I mean, they, they had Bronk Osweiler. Yeah, Kyle Orton was their long-term answer for a while. I mean, he was the best thing they had. I, you know, I almost feel bad talking trash on Kyle Orton, but it, it feels like a franchise that almost dare you say since the great John Elway himself left has not had a legit. I mean. They had Jake Plummer for a bit. He was fine. The early years of Jake Cutler were all right, but then that got bad fast. It's just a, they've been kind of in no man's land. Yeah, they got the scrap end of Peyton Manning. Like They just haven't had a, a quarterback that they can have a, a real full system around. And it's funny because it seems like they're a team that consistently drafts good weapons. They tend to draft solid running backs, especially late-round running backs. Free, their, the early, their early round running backs are usually more hit or miss, like no Sean Moreno never really turned into what they thought he was going to. No. But, but they picked up Philip Lindsay out of free agency. Yeah, but Philip Lindsay, then you look and it's like they drafted like Demarius Thomas, they drafted Jerry Judy. Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders drafted though by Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, yeah, yeah, he was, he, was a, he was a stealer. But in general, it's a team that seems to get a lot of weapons yeah. and just cannot seem to get that signal caller figured out. And you know, I think it may lead to Vic Fangio being the one who pays the price, mm-hmm. especially with a new GM coming into town. I think it's, I think that one is pretty easy to spot, but. Who do you think finds their cheeks on the hot seat coming into this this new season? Well, I tell you, there are a lot of good options here. Part of me was going to go with Matt Ryan, who, but that almost seems too stereotypical. I don't know if I'd say a quarterback is on the hot seat when the natural progression of they've started for a decade plus and the team is going to draft a predecessor. You know, I don't think... We're talking hot seat. I don't think Matt Ryan loses his starting job prior to next season. He might lose it during next season if he's not playing well, but he'll also, like Aaron Rodgers or like a lot of other players, given the opportunity, he'll keep the job. Mm-hmm. So that's what made me think of another obviously glaring answer here. And this is another hometown one, but I think it's incredibly true, and that's Howie Roseman. Howie Roseman, the Eagles' GM, has consistently underperformed when it's come to drafting, it seems like this team really can't get out of their own way drafting. I mean, the, there could be 20 Pro Bowl caliber players picked in a round, and the Eagles don't manage to get one. And that's not how good teams sustain themselves. No. That's not how good franchises stay competitive. Yeah, and it's even it, I find it even more frustrating because we have done well in later rounds con- pretty continuously. I mean, we've found... The six round guys that become good role players that can that can start. They might not be you know Pro Bowlers, but they're effective in their position. But we can't use our our big ticket draft picks on people that seem to pan out on the NFL level. I mean, looking at it just quite clearly, we pass up on DK Metcalf to pick JJ Arthago Whiteside, and then the very next year we pass up on Justin Jefferson to pick Jalen Rager. Understanding that. Jalen Rager could turn it around and really still have a fantastic career. I still don't know if Jalen Rager's the type of receiver that I would invest that kind of stock in. Mm -hmm. You know, guy like 
Deshaun Jackson, same thing. Like it's like if you had the option, right? If you knew for a fact you had the opportunity to pick a solid wide receiver like Keenan Allen or Deshaun Jackson. You know, again, Deshaun Jackson seems to me to be like the best case scenario for Jalen Rager. If he if he turned into Deshaun Jackson, you'd sit there and go, Oh, that's exactly what we wanted with that pick. Yeah. I mean, if it was a thing where we had somebody who was even close to a Keenan Allen. That's what I'm saying. Like, but a Keenan Allen reminds me of, like, Justin Jefferson, of, like, you know, great route runner, physical guy, can go up and get the ball. Yeah. Win catches that the quarterback tosses at you. Exactly. Or an A.J. Green. Or, you know, that that's the type of player a Justin Jefferson was, and yet they go and they pick Jalen Rager instead. So year after year, time after time, Howie Roseman picks the wrong player. They reach for bad players. They miss gems that are still available. And one of these days, somebody's got to pay the piper. You know, there's got to be repercussions for this. And as good as he is at navigating the cap, which is goofy, I know we're like $50 million over the cap, but the reason we're this much over the cap is the magic he's worked in the past. We need to get somebody else making decisions, or he better hit, especially considering we're drafting sixth overall this year. Mm-hmm. It's the best draft pick we've had in almost a decade. We you you got to deliver. Yeah. You got to deliver. Yeah, we need a we need a pro bowler. Well, we're basically coming to the offseason for all but two teams in this NFL year. I want to know, what's your big... Bad, bold off-season prediction. What do you think is going to happen? Looking at the league as a whole, in the in the coming months. Well, I tell you, there's two little bit different questions you asked me. They are wrapped into one, so I'll address them both. I'll tell you what I think is going to happen this off-season is I think we're going to see a lot of big names on the move. I think the financial strain that has been put on the clubs because of COVID is hitting them hard. I think the salary cap is decreasing for the first time in God knows how long. Or at least, even if it doesn't decrease, it will go up by a way smaller margin than it normally does. And so we're going to deal with a lot of teams in a really significant financial squeeze. And so we're going to see a lot of players leaving who teams don't even want to get rid of. I think we could see big names, you know, J.J. Watt, some big-name wide receiver. We're probably going to see A.J. Green leaving Cincinnati. We're probably going to see a couple of safeties and corners, a couple of big-name safeties like a Joe Hayden or maybe Patrick Peterson or those kind of guys on the move. There's going to be big names changing teams because they do not want to pay these guys in the later year of their contracts that are not guaranteed. But if we're getting bold, if we're going out on a limb, I think we could see a big-name player call it quits early this year. We've seen it happen a lot in the past few seasons. I mean, Patrick Willis did it. Luke Keekley did it. Andrew Luck did it. We've seen players who, even you would think, on the calendar, are in the prime of their careers, hanging up the helmet, hanging up the cleats, whether it be for their personal health, whether it be for a call, uh, another calling that they've gotten, but it seems to be more often than not just for self-preservation. And I think we could see that again this offseason. And I, I, I think it could be a name like Jimmy Garoppolo. I think we could see a guy like Jimmy G who's been hurt 
how many of the last few years, or, you know, maybe a Carson Wentz. You know, these guys who have been spending more time injured than they have been on the field. The noise and scrutiny is getting louder and louder and louder and louder. And at the end of the day, the love for the game goes away. And that's what we saw happen with Andrew Luck. And so I wouldn't be shocked if a guy like Jimmy G is dealing with injuries, dealing with concussions and head injuries, dealing with the knee and the ACL, dealing with shoulder injuries, you name it. Just one day looks at it and goes, I'm getting criticized left and right. I got these trade rumors. Every every time I throw an incompletion, people are screaming, trade them from yeah. the stands. I'm having I'm I'm getting constant deals to model underwear instead of get hit professionally. I literally don't have the thumbs to respond to the models trying to slide into my DMs on Instagram. Yeah. yeah it, there becomes a point where it just might not be worth it for the to, for the beating that you need to take to be an NFL quarterback. And so going out on a limb, my bold prediction of the offseason is that we see Jimmy Garoppolo hang up the helmet. That's a good one. It's a good prediction. I definitely see it being a possibility. But what about you? Coming into this offseason, what's your bold pick of the offseason? I think my bold prediction is that in this upcoming NFL season, the NFL makes an announcement that it is going to be arriving in a new city. Now, whether that comes in the form of a team packing up and moving, or if it comes in the form of an expansion announcement where they're adding more teams to this this NFL family, I expect that we get some kind of growth or change in how these NFL markets are shifting up. I, I mean, especially with the way this 2020 pandy season went down, the NFL has to be looking at, you know, things that they could look at while they had the off-season time, where they're, they're going to, you know, bring possibly a team to London, possibly expanding to places like, you know, Oklahoma City, another or another Midwest. Or even uh, up into Toronto, yeah. into Canada. You know, so two of our, or three of our major, you know, Major League Soccer, Major League Baseball, the NHL, National Basketball Association, four, all span up into Canada. It's we have teams up there, whether it's you know just Toronto in baseball and in basketball, but then in the MLS, I mean, there's what six Canadian teams, five Canadian teams. I mean, it's it's normal for, for us to share sports with a country that we share a border with. Yeah, but that's definitely one to keep an eye on. I think we could totally see that. We could totally see a team picking up the stakes and moving, especially maybe in like Florida where they struggle to have hit their attendance normally. Mm-hmm. A team like the Jaguars, I imagine, have been looking around to potentially move for quite a while. And there might be some other ones in there too. The Chargers still never haven't really been a super great fit in L.A., even though I doubt they'd be moving again so soon. Yeah, and I mean, it's hard to imagine, but if San Francisco's 49ers you know, continue to have issues with the way that the government's is impacting them they might be forced to move yeah so there could be a whole bunch of options here definitely something to keep an eye on and just the overall framework of the league and the way it changes whether it's subtly or drastically each year is always something interesting to keep an eye on and you know assess yeah well that just about wraps it up for us here at the balls over the top podcast yeah we appreciate you guys listening Hope you enjoyed the show. A little bit more introspective this 
season. Yeah, a little, or not this season, but this episode. Yeah, a little personal. But we hope you enjoyed it, and we hope to bring you more stuff just like it. And we will, barring any medical emergencies, yes, be back with you on Monday with some soccer updates. Two weeks overdue at that point. Oh yeah, no, it's been crazy. And I'm sure just a lot more great sports news, fun stuff to talk to you about. Looking forward to being with you guys. Yeah, have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening.